in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. That's right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, we're back again, whether you wanted it or not. Um, so we are on episode number 63 of the 30-something movie podcast, marching right along to 100. I don't even know what we're going to do when we get there. We'll, what, what are we going to do when we get there? I don't know. We'll Syndication, think. baby. There we go. That's right. We can, we can be on CLTV late at night while people are running on their treadmills. And they could listen to us. TV, come on, WPWR at the least. Okay, that's fine. Oh. WKRP in Cincinnati. I'm in. Okay, Les let's do Nessman. it. There we go. Oh my God. So, what is happening in your house right now? Well, <laughs> dinner is sort of happening at my house right now. That's we the are most dark camera angle I've ever seen. <laughs> we, no, for for those of us, this angle before it just might not have been on camera. <clears throat> Mm. For those of us listening to the audio podcast, you're missing all the fun here. We're, we're, we're getting to imagine what it's like to be Bo's dinner as it's being prepared. It's a frightening concept. It, well. Think about yeah. it. When you is know you're about to be dinner. Is this a tribute to the end of the last episode of Walking Dead? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay. Eat me! All right. <laughs> now... I've now finished those tasks. I can now. <laughs> well, it was discuss a movie. <clears throat> that was like one of those live experiences that you go to like Universal Studios for. It's All right. Better. Well, you didn't have to pay for this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we're all gonna pay. Well, clearly, clearly we're all alive. You're alive, and number five is also alive. And life, my friends, is not a malfunction. We're going to be talking about Short Circuit this time around. Uh, just a quick reminder, we do spoil every single movie that we talk about. Um, and sometimes we mention other movies that you didn't come here to listen about. So we're just going to spoil stuff. So hopefully you don't get offended. And if you do, um, we'll give you Dennis's email address at the end of the podcast. You can email him. Yeah, he, takes the, he takes the complaints. Yep, he is the complaint department. So we will we'll send them all to him. Um, so if you have not watched the movie yet, you may want to go watch the movie. If you haven't watched Short Circuit, I don't know what you're doing, um, but go watch it and then you can come back and listen or we can save you some time and tell you whether you should avoid it like the plague. Um, please go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Don't be a stingy critic. Um, it's okay if you give us five stars. We promise we will, you know, our, we will still stay humble. Um, we would also love it if you go tell your friends, if you tell the guy that delivers your mail or the woman that delivers your mail, because it could be either one, um, or the robot that delivers your mail, because maybe you're listening to this in the future and there are robots delivering the mail. So whatever it is, tell everybody. The future? The future. It's what happens after now. After now, now? After now, now. What about then now? But this is when then will be now. When? When we were combing the desert. Just now. Mm-hmm. 
we we went to plaid as as Bo was you know fixing his dinner and then it, we lost it all. Um, joined by Patrick. No. Uh, Jeff is there somewhere. Jeff, are you there? I'm here. You are there. There you are, floating on your uh, pool bed. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Those listening to the audio podcast will not get that joke. Um, right. And Bo. What's up? How's it going? Hi. All right. Um, before we get into this, did anybody have any new movie news? We're back. Here's the news. All the news that's new and approved by the U.S. Army, the sweetest smelling army in the world. Uh, Batman versus Superman was number one in the box office again. Still again bad. this weekend? Hey, mm, hold on now. <laughs> back it off. Well, I, was, I was curious to see how well it would hold up after the initial mm-hmm. weekend. After all the fanboys saw it, and then, you know, would, would the critics, would their opinions have any say in its success? And, I mean, it's over $600 million worldwide already. Right. Yeah. yeah, I you know, they gave, um, I with our reviews that we do on here, I always do Rotten Tomatoes, and then we do, like, a Siskel and Ebert, stuff like that. One thing that I was going to start adding in is there's a, a website called CinemaScore, and they give, it's like an exit poll uh, when people leave the theaters and they're asking people how they felt about the movie. Mm-hmm. And they give it a score, kind of like a school score. It's like a A, B, C. Um, and so that kind of, that's one of the ways that people predict how well something's going to do in its subsequent weekends or, you know, dates and, and everything else. Um, so I may start adding some of those in because they go back all the way to the late 70s, I think, with some of those scores. But Batman Superman, I think, got a B as its score. Um, and that sounds good, but apparently from cinema score, a B is not good. It's like lukewarm. So people are leaving the theater and they're like, yeah, it's okay. Hmm. Which is probably going to affect its you know, next few weekends. Everything, you know, they always take a, a fairly sharp drop the second weekend. Um, but, you know, it still has made a ton of money and... You know, I think they're still predicting it's going to make a billion worldwide. Yeah. Wow. It seems like it. Yeah. It's one billion dollars. Yeah. One billion dollars. Billion. Um, this is not necessarily a movie news thing, but I just saw this. Be- oh, Dennis is here. Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Speaking of yesterday's news. There we go. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for talking about Short Circuit. Um, so we will catch you all next time. That's cold, man. That's cold. I'm just saying. All right, so we're all here. We're all here. Let's do this thing. Um, real quick, I, this is not movie news, but if anybody has not checked it out yet, somebody made this little app. Or not, it's not really an app. It's more of a website. But you can play the original Legend of Zelda. It's a Legend of Zelda 30th anniversary game. Has anybody else yes, seen I that? Yes, I saw that. I have not mm. played it yet, but I saw it. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. It'll, it, it's, kind of a, it's a little bit more 3D than the original game. And okay. with some of the little animations, it switches back and forth between being 3D, but it still has the 8-bit look to it. Nice. So it's kind of a fun little game. And the controller, um, the directional pad, and the buttons just kind of pop up on the bottom of your screen, whether you're using an iPad or a phone or whatever. So nice. it was kind of a fun little game. I played it for a few minutes. Sure. Cool. All righty. sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. How the tension you can just you know cut it with a spork for the butter knife there you go i have butter knife it's dull you twit that's right 
All right. So before we before we kill each other, um, this time around we are looking at Short Circuit. It came out May 9th, nineteen eighty six. It was rated PG. The director was John Badham. He did Saturday Night Fever, the nineteen seventy nine Dracula movie, and the movie Nick of Time. Uh, producers were David Foster, who did The Thing, Mask of Zorro in 98, Collateral Damage, and Lawrence Terman. He did The Graduate, The Thing, American History X. The writers on this one were S.S. Wilson, who did Tremors, Wild Wild West. Actually, you know what? Both of them, S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock, did Tremors, Wild Wild West, Batteries Not Included, Ghost Dad, and S.S. Wilson also did the Mask cartoon, which we talked a little bit about one of the other times. Um, Dennis, are you trying to protect yourself from... All the abuse? STDs. Okay. Then I don't know if your mask, I don't know if that mask is going to work for that. Yeah, well, keep people away from me. <laughs> well, that's anyway. true. Nah, it's not the mask that's going to do that. Um, David Shire did the music for this one. He also did Saturday Night Fever, uh, 2010, and Return to Oz. Uh, the budget for this one was $15 million, and apparently 1.4 of that was spent on creating the Johnny Five robot. And the box office was 407 uh, actors in this one, Ali Sheedy played Stephanie Speck. She was in War Games, Breakfast Club, St. Elmo's Fire. Steve Gutenberg played Newton Crosby, Ph.D. He was in the Police Academy movies Cocoon, Three Men and a Baby, and Veronica Mars, the TV show. Fisher Stevens played Ben Jabatuya. He was in The Brother from Another Planet, Super Mario Brothers, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Hail Caesar. Austin Pendleton played Howard Marner. He was in the Muppet movie My Cousin Vinny, A Beautiful Mind. G.W. Bailey played Scroder. He was in MASH, Police Academy, and Mannequin. Uh, Brian McNamara played Frank. He was in Caddyshack 2, Arachnophobia, Army Wives. And Tim Blaney played the voice of Number 5. He was in Flight of the Navigator, Dinosaurs, The Muppets TV Shows and Movies, and Men in Black. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this one a 57%. The audience gave it a 67%. And as I mentioned earlier, that CinemaScore website, uh, audiences who left the theaters, gave this movie an A-. Uh, Siskel and Ebert. Uh, Siskel said, you know, so I'm going to give you a one sentence from his review and the number of stars he gave. Siskel said, this film has nowhere to go except to give us a predictable initial confrontation between Gutenberg and Sheedy over military weapons, one star. Ebert says, it's basically a kid's movie and quite possibly the kids will like it, but they'll have to be fairly young kids, one and a half star. Nominated for three Saturn Awards, Best Sci-Fi Film, Best Director, Best Special Effects, and it won a BMI Film Music Award uh, for David Shire's score. Number five was created to help people, but co-opted by the military to become a killer robot. When a bolt of lightning fries his circuits and gives him free will, he must avoid the military team sent to retrieve or destroy him. With the help of his new friends Stephanie, Newton, and Ben, he might just learn what it means to be alive. All right, we're going to play the audio real quick for the trailer, and then we will be right back. It's the ultimate soldier. It doesn't get happy, it doesn't get sad, it doesn't laugh at your jokes. It is quite simply Jim. the most sophisticated robot on Earth. At Nova Robotics, the future is in good hands. You did real good. Just keep working on those last two bars. Thanks to Dr. Newton Crosby. Originally, I designed it as a marital aid. But artificial intelligence has gotten too smart. No. It's malfunctioning. It might not do anything. But it could decide to blow away anything that moves, couldn't it? Because $11 million worth of robot just hit the road. Wow! 
Number five is alive. Welcome to my planet. You just have to find number five, get some answers. Why don't you come on in my house? And it's got a lot of living to do. Whatever it takes to put that stupid contraption out of commission, that's what you do. Me input. Of this stuff. More input. More input. And they can seem quite lifelike, but they are still machines. Oh. Number five is alive. Nice software. How it happens, who knows, but it has happened. A new comedy adventure from John Batum, the director of War Games. They're gonna be after you. We gotta get out of here now. Keep alive! Ali Sheedy. Steve Gutenberg and number five. Beautiful. Short circuit. I am alive. All right, so clearly that one had a little bit of a, and they do that in trailers because they're not always done with the post production stuff, had a little bit of a different voice for number five. Um, there was originally a third movie plan, movie plan, planned, planned, home would meet and befriend Johnny Five, but this was scrapped back in 89 or 90, and they are currently rumoring a remake, um, but I would argue that other people have already remade this movie and done better. Um, no, don't remake it again. No. Don't ruin it. Um, this, this may, uh, come up a little bit later. Fisher Stevens, Ben Jabatuya, is not from India. Uh, he was born in California. Something that up until not too recently, I did not realize. Because I don't know that I've seen him in anything else. I actually thought he was an Indian actor. So I just thought he was an Indian actor doing a very exaggerated Indian voice. Heck, in the movie, he's from Bakersfield, too. Right. And his uh, ancestors are from Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of interesting things. And from what I read, they did not do this intentionally. They were just trying to make him look futuristic. Um, Johnny Five kind of closely resembles the large hunter-killer robots from the movie The Terminator. And at the beginning of the movie, you get a close-up of some flowers, which are then suddenly crushed by tanks rolling over them, which is kind of similar to the whole thing with the... you got the skulls at the beginning of Terminator, and then the tank treads kind of roll over and crush them. So that's kind of a similar style to James Cameron. Uh, at one point, Fisher-Stevens, uh, the one who played Ben, was actually fired, replaced with Bronson Pinchot, who was then fired, and Fisher-Stevens was rehired. That's a totally different movie if Balky is the other scientist. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, as they were writing the script, one of the biggest issues was how to have Johnny Five come to life. They thought of using aliens or experimenting on humans and turning them into robots. Ultimately, they went with the lightning bolt idea, even though they admit they really didn't like it. Uh, originally, Johnny Five was going to be a stop-motion animated, but John Badham wanted something physical for the actors to interact with, so they went with an actual robot. And finally, Wes Craven used the chassis of Johnny Five for his 1986 movie Deadly Friend, which also had a killer robot in it. Let's start off with, what did you like about this movie? I like it. I like it a lot. You love me. You really love me. <laughs> I like this thing. I, what didn't I like? I love this movie. This is another one of those, like, throwback to my childhood movies that just, it works. I could watch it again and again and again and again. It's cheesy, and that's fine. The, the stuff with Newton Crosby and Stephanie is, you know, contrived at best, but it works because I first saw it when I was probably seven, you know. 
so it has a special place in my heart. Johnny Five, you know, number five is alive is something I think my brother and I ran around the house saying when we were kids. I mean, it's just one of those things. You, you look back at it and you're like, what? what's wrong about this movie? I don't know. I tried to watch it critically today because I should find something that I don't like about it, but I don't know. Okay. I'm going to have to go all Pat fanboy on this one. Okay. All right. Uh, Dennis, what about you? What would you like about this one? Um, similar to him. I mean, I was older, obviously, when I saw that. Um, I was curious when he saw it, if he saw it when he was like seven years old, because for me, I'm at, I want to say, I, mean, I was about 15, I think. 15 when I saw that? Yeah, so 15 years old when I saw it. It was interesting because I was looking at your, your time about Spielberg, or not Spielberg, um, Siskel's comment, and it was like for younger kids or whatever, and I guess, I don't know. I mean, I, I for us, I remember the same thing, walking around with Johnny Five Alive, doing the voice impersonation. Um, I remember realizing that Fisher Stevens was, was an Indian back then. Like, we kind of figured it out uh, back then, too. I don't know why. Um I love the Three Stooges where he programs the other robots at the Three Stooges. That's a yes. favorite spot of mine. I, 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 I'm with him. I think it was just a, a good movie. I, now, my kids have not yet seen this. Uh, they're mm. actually going to probably see it this coming weekend. Uh, I was going to try and get it this weekend, but we were down south, and we didn't have time to get back and do it. We almost plugged it. We were having some Internet issues. So I'm curious to see what my kids, who are now 13, and um, you know, but what they're going to be, what they're going to think of it because they're – Closer to my age, or kind of in between that, and what what Bo was, but uh, I I I I enjoyed it. Like I said, I just think it's a good movie. It reminds me of my childhood, you know, and, and watching that movie back then, and I I I liked it. So I'm hoping I like it just as much when I when I see it again. Currently, um, I did see bits and pieces of it currently, but I did not get to see the whole thing all the way through. Okay. Yeah. When I when I get to what I liked about it, um, I actually had John and Nora watch this with me, so. You know, John eight and Nora five. So I, I actually have their review too. So I'll, I'll share that when I get to my part. But uh, I like Fisher Stevens' character of Ben, and I, I, I always liked how he struggled to understand the nuances of the English language. I'm standing here beside myself. And just, I mean, just, you know, it's just the. I think one of my favorites is uh, when they're yelling at each other over the map at, at the beginning. You know, and and let's say the robot goes and blows up a bus full of nuns. How would you like to write the headline on that? And he just responds with, nun soup? Nun soup? <laughs> you know, just, I, all, the stuff he, all the stuff he said uh, just always cracked me up. And like the other, like Dennis and Bo said, you know, I remember watching this uh, when I was a kid. I, I have a vague recollection of seeing this in the theater, I think. Um, but, you know, like, you know, like Dennis said, my Brother and I, we used to imitate the voice. We used to, you know, when we get mad at each other, you know, hey, laser lips, your mother was a snowblower. <laughs> you know, yes. the, the, the reprogramming of the Three Stooges. Yeah. I mean, all of it. It's just, it was a lot of fun. You don't have to think about anything. It, it's a sci-fi movie that doesn't require you to have any knowledge about anything technological. You just have to believe in the fact that, you know, this robot got struck by lightning and crazy things have happened. Will it be okay for him or is he going to eventually be disassembled? No disassemble. I, you know, I, I think that it had a lot of heart and that's one of the things I like about this movie now is that you know there's a, there's a lot of heart behind the character of Johnny Five. There's you know there's a lot of heart behind even Gutenberg's character and Ali Sheedy's character. 
you know, that they believe that he's real and they get you to believe that he's real as well. Now, I, I, have, I know you're going to go to Pat. Before I go to that, because, John, you said that your kids saw it. I, my reaction, too, is I would have seen this movie before with my kids. Like, it was on my list of, like, you know, your kids are growing up. And I'm like, oh, i got to show them Short Circuit. And I always go to the IMDb thing, and I look at the parents' guide. And I remember at the time, and again, I, it'll be, I'll be curious when I see the whole thing through with them. Um, at the time, this is probably about three or four years ago I wanted to show it to them, so it was kind of close to uh, at least your old, your, you know, your son's age and with Hunter. And um, the, for, there was profanity. Mm-hmm. There was a few comments. There was the whole thing about sporting a, 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 a I think it was a tremendous Woody or something. Mm-hmm. So yes. so, now, some of those obviously go over a kid's head. Right. But I, when you read it on, like, IMDb under the parental guide, I remember thinking, uh, you know what, maybe I need to wait a few more years for this. It's not horrible, but there was enough that I was thinking when my kids were younger, do I want, you know, how did that play out with your kids at the time? Because your kids are definitely younger than mine are now. Well, and see, the funny thing was, I didn't, I, I didn't go through and read the parental part because I just, I was thinking back to my memory of the movie, and I, I want to say I just watched it not more than two or three years ago. Uh, I think it was on Netflix for a while, and I went back and watched it again, and I didn't remember there being that much profanity in it. Exactly. Yeah. But so then we're watching it with the kids, and you know, every time we put on one of these '80s movies that's rated PG, I always tell them, you know, there may be some words in here that we don't use. If you have any questions about them, we'll talk about it. Just, just ask. Um, and they didn't say anything about it. They, I, I could tell that they kind of knew that there were several words in here that were, you know, not acceptable. But um, it was funny when we asked them. I'll just, I'll tell you what they said now. When we asked them if they liked the movie or not. Uh, John gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, we still had some like little peeps from Easter sitting on the table, so he gave it an 8 out of 10 peeps um, as his review. And Nora gave it a 10 out of 10 peeps because every movie she sees is her favorite. Ah, um, the wonder of youth. Yeah. Yeah, and John said, I, I asked him, I said, well, what was the reason that it was an 8? Like, why, why did you not score it higher? And he said, well, you know, I, I liked it. It was really funny. Um, I just wish there were less bad words. So I was like, okay, all right. Well, you know, he he knew that they were there, but you know, he just kind of, and that's why he lowered his ranking of the movie a little bit. But um, yeah, so that's that's why he gave it an eight out of ten. He said, "Yo, I Enjoy really liked the movie. That was funny." Well, in about six years, he's going to rate movies higher because there's more bad words in it. Right. You know, he's going to be like his dad, who searched forever to find a VHS copy of Pulp Fiction and couldn't find one for years and years, and yeah. Then he found one in China. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but what else was he doing in China when he found the video? That's what it's, we got to It's about. a bootleg from China where John sees all his movies. It is. That's true. <laughs> I don't watch them all from China. Some are from Korea. Oh. All right, Pat, I how did... apologize. Well, that's all right. We, we want to make sure we're very specific here. North or South Korea. All right. John, do you think he would have... Uh, do you think he would have... Your son would have picked up on those... On the, on the bad words if you hadn't given him the little prep like, hey, you might hear some words in here that aren't good? Or do you think that was kind of on his mind because you brought it up to him? Well, he rides a public school bus, so I'm sure he knows most of these words. (laughs) Fair enough. You know. There it is. Doesn't use them, but I'm sure he's heard them. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. No, but he was aware of it, and, you know, I... um, you know, I, I always look at them, like during the movie, I'll always kind of watch, especially if I hear one of those words, I'll look at them and see if they look back at me to see if there's some kind of a reaction to it. And mm-hmm. I, there were, I think there were a couple times where, and you could tell he, he understood what was going on. 
um, there were a couple of times where uh, a, a word was said and he kind of giggled a little bit, was trying to hide it, though. You know, I was like, no, yeah. that, that's okay. That's fine. I'm sure I did the same thing as a yeah. kid. So, all right, Pat, how'd you so, like this one? Well, I, you know, it's it's just going to be an echo of everyone's comments. I mean, it's, uh, it, like I said, it was a fun movie for kids growing up. And, um, you know, I, I think my favorite part of the movie was, was Johnny Five. I mean, that was what I loved watching as a kid. I loved seeing him. You know, you kind of get attached to him um, much the same way that you do with, with uh, Wally in the later movie. And mm-hmm. I know that. I think we were talking, you know, there's kind of some, some small comparisons between the two. That's originally what know, my kids thought of, this was. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, that's right. You mentioned that. Yeah. And you know, Johnny five, you're just, you're rooting for him. E- even though, I mean, is he the underdog in it? Maybe, I, I don't know, but that's kind of what I remember just growing up. And you know, when he'd get in and he'd pull the, the front seat out of the truck and then drive off it, I thought that was great. Um, I really, uh, I liked his laser, and I like, and I liked that you know when the when the guy showed up to, you know whatever Ali Sheedy's ex boyfriend or whatever he was, and then Johnny Five finally gets hacked off and like disassembles his car and then blasts him and his hat and his belt and his you know goes after him with the laser. I always thought that was pretty cool, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was it. And then right at the end, you know, I remember being a kid, and. Uh, you know, the, the, I thought they blew him up, you know, and I remember just sitting there mm-hmm. shattered in the movie for about, you know, whatever it was, five minutes before he popped out at the, um, the you know, before he popped out of the back of the truck. And that was just like the coolest thing ever because, you know, he was still alive and he was going to ride, try up, you know, drive triumphantly off into the sunset of, you know, Montana and live forever. And, and uh, so that was what I liked about it was just Johnny Five. And that was my favorite character as a kid. And I, yeah, I, that was that was it, man. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun to watch him. Well, and that was for my kids. It was kind of the same thing when we first. Uh, uh, Pat, I think you and I were talking about this earlier today. When we when the movie first started up, I think maybe it was just the way Johnny Five's head looks. Um, I think it might have been Nora, and the first thing she said was, "Oh, look, it's Wally." And so mm-hmm. I think she thought that they had made a live action movie of Wally, and that's. Mm-hmm what Johnny five was. So I had to explain like, no, Wally's different. Wally is Disney. And this is, you know, this is different. This is a, a movie with real people in it. And, um, but yeah, they, John said he liked, you know, he liked the whole movie. Nora said her favorite scene was at the very end or she liked a lot of it. They both cackled when, um, uh, Ali, she, Stephanie's character, uh, her boyfriend got his belt blown off with the laser and his pants fell down. They both thought that was hilarious. And their dad did too. Um, <laughs> And Nora's favorite part was at the very end where Johnny Five kind of rises up from the bottom of the truck and you realize that he's okay. And the room got real quiet when he when his uh, fake one got blown up. And the room got real quiet and the kids were like, um... And now John was like, I, I don't think that was him. It's not going to end that way. And I'm like, well, just hold on and watch. He's like, well, if that was him and he blew up, then the movie would stop right now, but they're still driving in the truck. And I'm like, well... Just hold on. Wait a second. You've taught and, him well. I know. A little bit too well, I think. <laughs> You've broken him in with Transformers and Optimus Prime. It's, I know. You know it's true. Kind of taught him that, you know, you d- nobody in movies really dies. And stormtroopers can't shoot. That's right. You know, as long as we know the important things. Um, no, I really like this movie. I Again, like I said, I was surprised at how much profanity was in it. I didn't remember that. And as a kid, I don't think you do remember that, except for the funny parts. Um, you know, when it's used to comedic effect as opposed to just used. 
Um, yeah, that part kind of surprised me as an adult that, that that was still in there. And, and, um, I think one of the other things that really surprised me was finding out that, um, Ben Jabatuya was not really Indian. Like mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I think I kind of saw that as I thought he was Indian doing an exaggerated Indian voice like Raj from Big Bang Theory. And to a certain degree, um, and, and that's not the first question I was going to come up with because I know we've mentioned this on a few other episodes, um, to a certain degree that kind of took a little bit away from the movie uh, for Sharon and myself, my wife Sharon and myself, when we watched it, to kind of find that out because then it's like, well, then is that borderline offensive? Or not even mm. borderline. Um, yeah, I was going to say borderline. Yeah, yeah not, not even so much borderline. We, and you know, uh, Pat, I think you and I were talking a little bit about this earlier today. It's like, to me, that was, that was worse than some of the other movies that we've talked about where you've got characters that are playing maybe. Soul Man? Yeah, Soul Man. Well, I think we said with this one, it, it was not really used in a redeeming way. It was just used in a comedic way. And well, yeah, it was playing up the stereotypical Indian engineer guy. Right. Was... So, yeah, so that was a little weird to find that out, you know, especially that I found it out now and not many years ago. Um, but, yeah, no, I, overall, still kind of a fun kids movie. If I was scoring it out of the same uh, peeps scale that the kids were scoring it as, I think I gave it a six peeps out of ten. You know, I just, it was, it was still entertaining. It was still fun. Um, but, you know, maybe there were just a couple things as I learned that as a as an adult, maybe took it away a little bit. But still, I mean, I was chasing to saying Johnny Five is alive and he's come to eat your brain so you can be alive too. Robot zombies and, you know, that kind of stuff. Just want to make sure he has good dreams when he goes to sleep. Yeah, That's no it. kidding. So I can make you Johnny Six. Come here. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Because you want to raise him right. Sure. Instill a little bedtime fear into him. So one of my first questions, um, and this goes to a quote that I found on the Wikipedia page for Short Circuit. Um, I'm just going to read this whole, it's a couple of paragraphs from the Wikipedia page. And I believe it was was an article from the AV Club um, in which they had interviewed talking about some of the earlier drafts of the script. So I'm just going to read this whole thing, and then that kind of goes into one of my first questions. In 2009, Austin Pendleton, who played Dr. Marner, uh, who had gone to college with Short Circuit director John Badham, stated, quote, Some stuff was cut out of my part in Short Circuit, and also the two leading roles were cast with really talented, attractive people who were not right for the parts. The script was just heartbreakingly beautiful to read, and now it's a nice little slightly bland kids movie. Nothing exactly wrong with it. Those two people who are in the leads are good, very likable, easy to work with people, and have done some good work. They just weren't those people that were written in the script. And I said to John when it was about to open, why did you cast them? And he said, that was, the, what the in studio, that was what the studio insisted on. And that sort of ended the discussion. I said, okay. The film kind of works, but again, it was going to have been quite a beautiful film. So according to Pendleton, the role Steve Gutenberg ended up playing was, quote, a person who could not relate to other human beings, so he poured all that into the creation of the robot. Well, Steve, he's a lovely guy, and I think he's talented. He had a wonderful kind of charisma. Very easy, but utterly social. He's just so very engaging and open with people. He's wonderful to be on the movie with, but he does not bring on screen with him the problem the character in the movie has. The perfect person for the role 20 years earlier would have been Dustin Hoffman. That thing that Dustin brought to The Graduate that a more affable actor would not have, a sense of utter alienation from everything around him. 
So what some people, apparently some of these early drafts of the script uh, had this being a little bit more of a serious, poignant movie about life and artificial intelligence, but with the studio messing with the casting, as he said, it kind of became a slightly bland kids movie. So does that bother you to find that out, or is this movie exactly what it needs to be and other movies can be the serious AI story? And when I say that, I'm, I'm thinking about movies like Blade Runner, AI, Ex Machina, Chappie, if you've seen any of those. I think this movie is exactly what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think this movie works just like it is. It, it, uh, I don't know what more you'd want out of it, what more you'd want to try to say with it. Yeah, you could you could change it up. I mean, you could make it. Now, those movies that you mentioned, AI and Ex Machina and all that are kind of on my list. But, I mean, I've seen – well, actually, I've seen through through the, the different Star Trek series. Like, each one of the series has kind of their own episode or few episodes where they deal with some sort of artificial intelligence and kind of is it real and can it be a life – you know, is it a life of its own and all that. And they take a little bit more of a serious look. And I think – I mean, I would be curious to see what the vision was and what – you know, Johnny Five was supposed to be like. Um, but I think if you do that, then you kind of lose what this movie was. And, you know, I think we all kind of went around the table and said how attached we were to it as kids and, you know, how heartwarming Johnny Five was. And I think you might lose that by gaining, uh, uh, you know, by gaining where, you know, he said he wanted. You know, you, you gain an artificial intelligence, is it real story? But you might lose a little bit of that heartwarming, um, friendly robot story. So. Okay. I think it it offers that artificial intelligence to a different audience. An audience that's going to enjoy this movie isn't so much going to enjoy Ex Machina and, and stuff that's a little heavier. I don't know if it goes far enough to actually spark the conversation in that audience but it certainly brings them to it. It starts the conversation about can robots be alive, even if it's in a joking manner, but I think it gets, I think it puts it on display in front of a different group of people, maybe. How many of you guys have seen, um, let's do the two most recent ones. How many of you guys seen Ex Machina or Chappie? I saw Chappie. You saw Chappie? Okay. Okay. I've seen neither. Okay. So, to me, this one um, would be like a kid's version that you know, gets you started with the idea of can, you know, can a robot be alive and what does that mean? And um, In particular, Chappie, I just watched very recently, and it it's almost like, you know, they've said they want to do a remake of Short Circuit and that it's going to be a darker take on Short Circuit or, or at least a little more serious grown-up take on it. And after watching Chappie, I'm like, I don't think they need to. I think Short Circuit was just remade and they called it Chappie because it is a more adult version. Um, you know, obviously the profanity is a little stronger and it's um, it's Neil Blomkamp. So if you've seen his other District 9 and Elysium, mm-hmm. um, it takes place in Johannesburg, South Africa again. Um, and I really liked it. I, I don't think it got very good reviews or I don't know that it did all that well in the theater, but I thought it was pretty good, especially watching it right after watching not too long after watching short circuit like it seemed like there was a lot of callbacks to short circuit um 
there's several times, like when he's first, when Chappie the robot is first learning what it means to be, or when he first wants information so he can start learning, he reads a book and he watches um, TV. He watches He-Man, an 80s cartoon, <laughs> um, and listens to some music and starts imitating people. And, um, you know, so I, I thought that was actually a pretty good, if you wanted to, if you wanted to graduate from here's what you watched as a kid and it's a fun comedy movie to okay, if you want to seriously consider what it means to, like, could AI be real? And is it something would then, could you even consider it to be technically alive? Then Chappie would be, like, the next step up. And then if you really want to mess with your mind and, and think about that kind of stuff, then I guess you'd move on to Ex Machina. Because Ex Machina was pretty crazy. Um, what I did like with the parts where they're up on the mountain and they're talking about, you know, are you alive? And let's see if we can figure this out going through some of those, what do they call them? The Turing test Yeah. to determine whether AI has reached the point where it's truly artificial, intelli artificial intelligence. And could it trick another person into believing that it's really alive? Uh, what I liked was how they went through that and they actually did you know, pieces from those tests and that the final one was a joke. Was it, you know, does this thing have a sense of humor beyond right. just being able to mimic laughter and mimic telling jokes and things like that? Whatever God wants, he keeps. Right. That's a, a great example of how this movie, for some reason, whatever stuck with me, is I've told that joke. Like, that's one of those things I took from that movie. It's not even really that funny. No. But I've told it. It's just one of those things I remember from the movie. It's odd, but it's something that stuck with me. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this question. Was Johnny Five alive? Yeah. Do you, do you think that a machine could, one day, with all the AI stuff that we have now, do you think that a machine or a computer could one day truly be alive? Wow. We're going to get super philosophical here. Yeah. That well, gets into a now, doesn't it? What's your def? I, you know, by the Turing test. I mean, are we are we going strict with the definition of alive or? Sure. Do you think there will be a point in time in which a computer could trick another human being into thinking that it's a real human being? Well, that's yeah. a trick then. That well, implies that it's not really alive. Well, exactly. That's, I mean, that's part of the test. To, to wit, I would say yes. Yes, I think there will mm -hmm. be a machine that will be able to make they can a fool. Yes. person okay. believe they're alive. Okay. Yes. Now. <laughs> Pick it up politicians. Well, well that, see, this is what I mean. That's true. <laughs> I, think, I think half of them are robots, so. Manchurian candidates, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. But if but if you're asking, do I think Skynet is in the offing and it's going to take over? I just I don't see it developing that way. There's no fate, Bo. We can stop it. <laughs> I mm, true sentience? No, I, I don't really think that's possible. But I've been wrong before. Really? I don't think it's possible. I know, it's hard to believe. But what you I don't say? think it's possible? No. Why not? I think it would be possible that it could fool somebody into thinking it's live, but that life is not something that we have the power to give in that sense. 
So Johnny Five was not alive. No. Well, but in, but if you're going strictly by the movie, they didn't cr- they didn't create Johnny Five. A legend created Johnny Five. So I mean, if it, like I said, if we want to get into matters of faith, then technically it was a act of God that created Johnny Five. Yeah. In, the, in the form that he was. I mean, I mean, we're we're really breaking this movie down at I that will. point. But I mean, so, so is Frankenstein alive? Because lightning bolts. Well, Frankenstein was alive. Are we talking about his monster here? Mm-hmm. Because Frankenstein was the guy, not the monster. Oh. Oh. oh there English we go. teacher. Ah, look at that. That's Give right. That's right. <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> I stand. I sit corrected. There you go. <laughs> And the other English teacher's just smirking back there. Mm. <laughs> he's just sitting there. He's like, when the, when's the Cubs came on? Yeah, how about it? <laughs> it's 9.05 opening day nonsense. I know. Birds. Not, a, not, a fan of, not a fan of these late night games. No. But, uh, what about Ali Sheedy? Um, one thing I thought was nice kind of interesting. What's that? Nice, nice software. software. Nice software. Yes. There you go. Um, so it, how does this movie compare with some of her other ones with the ones that you've seen? I, to me, when I looked on her IMDb page, this is kind of like the point at which I don't really remember seeing much from her after this. Yeah. I was going to say, this is one of her later ones that I remember. And, and I, I agree with you. It's like, it seemed like she'd kind of dropped off the face of the earth and not of us because of the other issues that she had going on in her life. But I think she was well, yeah. probably pretty adorable in, in this movie. I, I thought she was. Yeah. Well, apparently the only reason they, yeah, the only reason they didn't bring her back for Short Circuit Two is because apparently the studio said she's too expensive. Okay. So I think they had her record a voicemail message or something uh, on an answering machine, and that's the only part that she had in Short Circuit Two. I mean, you know, you hate to say like because again, the casting choices with uh, with um, with Ben, but I'm like. I think everybody in this movie, at least at that time, I mean, Steve Gutenberg was just like on a, he had all his movies. I mean, I think they're all very well cast. And I think that's what part of it worked. I think the voice of Johnny Five, you know, all those things are key. Just like Wally, you know, they talk about how they got the voice of Wally. And, and, and you think if, if they pick the wrong voice, Wally could be annoying. Right. Johnny mm-hmm. Five could have been annoying. So I think everything, in my opinion, character wise, casting wise, went well. Even Ben, I and mean, he was a lovable character, even though there's that whole, you know, question of racism which is an interesting you know is it is it was it racist is it but he's hysterical yeah i mean some of that stuff is so classic and then the question becomes racist but yeah well like what if somebody (laughs) plays uh like who's an example um john taturo who's italian you know often has played and and been i think i read that somewhere as cast often as like a jewish character so is that racist that john taturo is playing a jewish character why not get somebody who's really jewish Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, Steven Seagal has played some things that, you know, he was, yeah. I don't think that it was meant to necessarily, like, slam Indian people. I think he just played this role. I know they say there was another guy from India who actually looks almost identical to him. I forgot yeah. the name of him when I read about this. But there was another, uh, an actual actor from India who looked like it, and the Indian people actually thought that that was him. And they didn't know until they kind of saw the credits almost that that wasn't their guy. So oh, maybe funny. that guy would have been expensive. I don't know. Maybe there was issues. With I don't know. But, I mean, it was liked enough that he was in the second one. So, mm-hmm. And is might be I, talked about going in the third one. I think this this is starts it starts bringing up too many uh, too many modern issues, 
too many recurrent societal issues. And and I've talked about this before in, in other podcasts. I think the Indiana Jones one when Pat and I presumably had a fight. Tried to kill each other. Um, <laughs> one of the I, I, I kind of talked about it then is that you know we're taking I think modern day sensitivities and applying right. it to movies from 30 years ago. Do I think that they were trying to make fun of Indian people in short circuit? Absolutely not. I think at the but he is I, playing a stereotype. But you can say that these guys who work in the basement and are like they even make this reference like it's the first time they've been out. Like they're they, you know they're these kind of almost nerds working on this stuff. Well, yeah, you can say that, that Gutenberg's playing a stereotype. Yeah, Gutenberg's okay. playing a stereotype of of white engineers that lock exactly. themselves in buildings. You know, why isn't that socialized? Yeah. But again, I think we're just being too sensitive right now discussing just Fisher Stevens' character. You know, was it over the top? Well, I don't know. By today's standards, maybe. By this, I don't know what the standards were 30 years ago because I was eight years old. You know, what I know of this movie though is I I I think it's fun. I think the characters are, are all the characters are are a lot of fun. All the characters are stereotypes. You know, the, the guy that's head of security. No, Scroder, really? <laughs> He's a stereotype? I don't I don't think we we I don't know. I I think harping on Fisher Stevens interpretation of the character of Ben is a little bit unfair. Because okay, question for if they make there. if they make short circuit three, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If they make short circuit three and they want to cast him as uh, Ben again, do you make it today? Do you have him as the Indian character today? Absolutely. Right. I, I mean, I just I you don't think, think it will catch more flack than it did back then. Oh, I'm sure I, it will. Because I don't people, think it does because I think they soften. People need something to complain about, so I'm sure it would catch flack. I wonder if they do that think, though. I don't think he created it to be malicious. No, I agree. No, no, yeah. I'm just saying. No, yeah, I I don't think he did either. But I wonder if the producers softened the accent <laughs> to make it more less less. Comical, whatever, yeah. exaggerated. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, in the interest of getting out of here before the Cubs game starts, um, let's do this. Let's, instead of a last sentence, because I think our review from everybody has been, this is a fun movie and you should probably go see it. Um, let's do this. What was your favorite Johnny Five, or it doesn't have to be Johnny Five, but what was your favorite Johnny Five quote? I'll, I'll do mine first. Bird, Raven, Nevermore. English teacher. Yeah, yeah language arts teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Even though, you know what, John Ezra read that poem out loud to, like, we were sitting around the table reading stuff. He read that out loud a few days ago, and he, like, kind of ch- chuckled when that one happened. So that was a very proud language arts nice. father moment. Oh. All right, Bo, what's your favorite Johnny Five or somebody else line? Could be a Johnny Five or a Ben line or... There's a ton, but hey, laser lips, your mama was a snowblower. has got to be number one. <laughs> Use that a few times. Fantastic. Um, for Johnny Five, I I would agree with Bo. The laser lips one is is hilarious. I I also you know the Charmin plug when he right. when you got to go, don't squeeze the Charmin. Yes. Yeah. I thought you know that was a great pop culture reference at the time. I remember as a kid laughing at that because I understood the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
it was the, the tagline for the company. The first thing and I always other lines that I like, you know, almost like I said before, anything that Ben says, because yeah. you know, his his horrible grasp of the English language is really funny to me. The the way he uses these idioms poorly is is the, the idioms the outstanding. Yeah, you know, uh, what, what was one you know with with excitement like this, who needs enemas? Right. Exactly. Stuff like that. Would you believe it's been five years since I was since I've driven? It seems more like ten. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a lot of one-liners too. That kind of you know, if you're not listening, kind of goes by the wayside. So you know, when as I was, uh, I didn't have a chance to fully watch this movie, but I had it on in my car playing through my Bluetooth, so I could listen to the movie while I was driving, and I was just cracking up because it forced me just to listen to the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I was cracking up driving home while I was sitting. It made sitting in traffic a lot more bearable. Um, but, you know, just how many how many lines uh, were just throwaway lines that if you're not listening, you're just not going to pick up on. Uh, well, you know, I, I think you guys ran the gamut of uh, Johnny Five ones. I liked when he got into the truck at the end and, you know, he pointed straight ahead and just said, yo, yo. and took off. I remember laughing when I was, you know, I was remember I was laughing when I was, you know, seven or eight when I saw that movie. And I, I want to say that there were a couple times, you know, you know, we'd all pile into the car and be driving somewhere as a family. And like the first time my dad did that, I mean, I, we spent the next, you know, 10 miles laughing just because we'd just seen that movie. And, you know, my dad backed out of the garage. We all go and right before we take off, he, you know, did the Johnny Five thing without throwing the seat out the window. And, uh, you know, we all probably thought that was thing. Yeah. We all thought that was pretty funny. So I, I think that would probably be uh, uh, my favorite line that he said. Um, but yeah, the Ben lines are good. Steve Gutenberg and, uh, um, whoever the head security guy was, that was the common, not the commandant, but the, the guy from police Academy, mm-hmm. I mean, those, two, those two guys had great chemistry. So any of their exchanges were, <laughs> any of those exchanges were funny. Um, the boss, you know, wait a minute, you want Hueys? I thought you wanted helicopters. Those are helicopters. Well, why I didn't I get the memo? I thought they were choppers. <laughs> Well, now they're called Hueys. Well, why didn't I get that memo? You know what? It's just, and that guy being, and you know, you said it before, um, you know, each character, and it, it's, it, I don't know, it sort of bugged me, but it sort of didn't. It's just each character was kind of like, not a cardboard cutout, not a stereotype, yeah. no, but a cardboard cutout. A they stereotype. were a stereotype, yeah. You know, this was the guy that was stuck in the basement that, you know, could only, you know, focus on his computers. This guy was the crazy right. security guy. This was the, the clueless boss, you know. And uh, so it, it was just fun hearing their their dialogue. I thought it was pretty, you know, it, it had wit. Well, and it, was it, it was funny. The line that Nora even kind of picked up on was the one they're trying to get him. They're yelling at him across the field to the other truck. And he's like, oh, we, we need him back. And Stephen Gutberg is like, stat, stat. What does that even mean? I don't know. And Nora turned to me. She goes, Dad, I think stat means right now. I said, yes, it does. Good job. Why don't the people yeah. in the movie know that? It's just they're trying to be funny. That's oh, okay. Right. All right. Dennis, did you figure yours out? I think the, the saw, go back to the software one. <laughs> just okay. the nice software one. Um, and then there was. Change it always, color. It always comes back. It always comes back to the women for you. 
There was one with, you know, I as far as a nice quote, I, I, not even a quote, but I've seen. I like the one with the the grasshopper when he, the moment when he feels, you know, mortality. But um, there was one I, I was gonna look for it. There's one with I think it was Gutenberg where it was like something about blowing stuff up and it, like safe way of doing something is how's blowing somebody up ever safe or something like that. What's a safe yeah. way of blowing people up? Do you remember that one or not? I don't know. There was one like that in there. Yeah. I can't find it though. I know it was. I'm trying to think of the actual wording of it. And you'd always go with the. Um, the one I think she, I'm, I'm thinking she's a virgin, or at least she used to be. <laughs> yeah, I just saw, I just came across that one. <laughs> That's the Ben one. But Johnny Five, I'll go with that because my other one was with Bo, so I, I agree with the other one, the Snowblower. I did like the other one. Um, what does it need input for? I don't know. I guess it can't triangulate its position. That's a simple function. Can you triangulate your position, Howard? No. Yeah. Well, then yeah, there you that go. Was good. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Short Circuit. Uh, we are going to... What are we doing next time? Next time, I think we are looking at Invaders from Mars. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the 1986 Invaders from Mars movie. Uh, in the meantime, you have... Um, You've got several different ways that you can reach us. If you want to just go to 30podcast.com, that's got all the different ways you can get in touch with us. Twitter, email, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Um, on Twitter, we are at 30podcast. Email is 30podcast at gmail.com. You could like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. But like we said, uh, prepare yourself next time as the Red Planet begins its invasion in the 1980s remake of the original, I think it's 1953, uh, classic sci-fi film Invaders from Mars so if you want to watch that ahead of next week's show you can do that um, good luck finding it it was a little tough to find but uh, that's what we're going to be doing next time and the rest of our month of April we'll continue with other sci-fi movies as we do Star Trek for The Voyage Home and Aliens uh, very very quickly if you live near an Alamo Draft House or one of its partner theaters on April 26th they are doing an Alien Day event where they're going to be screening uh, at least one or two of the Alien movies and doing all kinds of other trivia contests on Twitter and other stuff. So if you are so interested in that, then you can go check that out. But otherwise, um, I'll go ahead and just say good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Yo. Yo. <laughs> Yo. All right. Go Cubs. We, there, yeah, there we go. Go Cubs. This is the year. We're, gonna, we're saying it right now. <laughs> Dennis, shut up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute you if you don't. Mm -hmm. Dennis doesn't even like football, so. <laughs> He's more of a golf guy. The, yeah. the Cubs playoff chances get uh, struck by lightning and have some life in them this year. Ooh, well. ouch. Hey, you know what? As of why we got to end on this sort of tone. As as of as of today, everybody's as of today, everybody's even there, my friend. So somehow John's gonna edit where I'm saying "Go Cubs, go." Yep. Yeah, it's "Go Cubs, go," and then it's something about something about mac and cheese after you say "Go Cubs, go." Yeah, exactly. Creative editing. Well, this is a warm and inviting podcast, so. All right. Well, if you're watching the Cubs, well, if you're watching the Cubs game, it's going to be two days later when you hear this. But uh, go Cubs, and we will see you all next time. Go Sox too. A little fair play here. Yeah. Go that's fix your socks. Like go go darn your socks and do we the rest of your laundry. The Cubs, but we didn't mention socks. So that's why. That's why we had to end on this note, Jeff. Because there was no fair uh, opportunity here. This is like a Cubs-sponsored podcast. That's right. Well, you, hey, you know what? If you show up on time, sometimes we'll say more about the socks. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you all next time. Have a lovely week, and come back next time for Invaders from Mars. All right. So long. Um...
Adios. Go Cubs, go.